This episode of the Presbyterian Reformed Churchman is a discussion I recorded with Ike Reeder, president of Birmingham Theological Seminary. Sadly, the day before Pastor Harry Reeder, Ike's father, went to be with the Lord. I held off on playing it because out of respect for the family and because the tone of the discussion certainly didn't match the emotions we were all feeling. I have edited out some comments since given Harry's passing on to glory, they were a bit irreverent, or at least they seem to be. However, I do think it's important to make public this discussion because General Assembly is two short weeks away, and I want you all to stop by the BTS booth at General Assembly to learn about this great seminary, particularly for ruling elders and how this seminary can serve you in your ministry to the local church. Uh, BTS, Birmingham Theological Seminary, was very important to Harry Reader, and the family has asked that in lieu of flowers, it says the family kindly requests that donations be made to the Harry Reader Scholarship Fund at Birmingham Theological Seminary, as well as the Harry Reader Memorial Fund at the National Christian Foundation or to Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia. On this edition of the Presbyterian and Reformed Churchman, I have a friend, Ike Reeder. Ike is the president of Birmingham Theological Seminary. And the reason I have Ike on is because as we approach General Assembly, Ike's got some great offerings at BTS, Birmingham Theological Seminary, that are of interest to ruling elders. And I first heard uh, th this offering at the GRN conference, and I said, I got to have Ike on. So Ike, good to uh, have you on again. Great to be here, George. Always glad to be a guest in uh, in in the George Sayer Funhouse. <laughs> it is the Funhouse. Yes. All right, that's brownie points. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, Darren Stone and I had Ike on our other podcast, uh, Grace to Stand, uh, but this one is geared toward ruling elders and teaching elders. Really, um, it's about being churchmen, being mm -hmm. confessionally reformed in the PCA, and you have just a great. Uh, I keep wanting to say product. It's not a product program at BTS uh, geared toward ruling elders. It's a certificate program. And so what I think I want to do is I'm going to play a segment of a, a, a talk you gave at the GRN conference just two weeks ago in Charlotte where you were explaining BTS a little bit, but explaining this program that, that I've been talking about. And then uh, we'll hear some some comments from Dr. O. Palmer Robertson on this that is relevant both to BTS's history, but also to the certificate itself. And then we'll we'll come back and we'll discuss that. Yeah, un, unpaid comments, but let's that, make that clear. Before. That was phenomenal. See, I, I am <laughs> I am your biggest promoter. I see. I, I'm trim this out for you. Put it in the video because I I'm a believer in BTS. I'm actually wearing my BTS swag, and I can't wait to gen go to General Assembly so I can get some more. What do you got? You got more? We're on video, but I've got my. Yes. My, I've got. I, I, don't, I got my BTS swag. Wait. Well, how do I get a bag like that? I don't know, but that one. That one. I don't know if we have anymore. I I'll know. Work on that one for you. <laughs> okay. All right. Without. Let's not uh, filibuster anymore. Let's go to this video. You gave this uh, this brief segment of a talk at the conf the GRN conference about Birmingham Theological Seminary. At this time, we're delighted to have our friend Ike Reader come and tell us about the important ministry of Briarwood Theological Seminary. Far be it from me to correct the esteemed Mel Duncan, but Birmingham Theological Seminary. 
So out of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. Uh, so uh, we are excited to be here. And that's an important distinction. It's wonderful. We are so excited to be here and supporting the GRN uh, conference this year. But I do bring out the distinction because uh, BTS, Birmingham Theological Seminary, uh, was founded in, in 1972 as a partnership between two churches, Edgewood Presbyterian Church and, Bri and Briarwood Presbyterian Church. And many of you will know the names of our two founders, uh, Dr. Frank Barker, one of the founders of the PCA, and Dr. Bill Hay, who uh, brought his congregation over from Edgewood to found Covenant Presbyterian in 1975, which is a wonderful church in the PCA as well there in Birmingham. The BTS was founded to be a multi-denominational reformed seminary that uh, was accountable to the local church, but from the local church taught students from a variety of denominations, in particular uh, uh, working to provide avenues for students who had uh, very little access to seminary education. Uh, um, bivocational pastors, pastors with families, uh, pastors who uh, were second career calling, and the opportunity to go to our traditional residential seminaries was really not afforded to them. So at that time, in 1972, uh, Dr. Barker and Dr. Hay founded Birmingham Theological Seminary with the goal of providing faithful, uh, quality, reformed theological education that was accessible for learners everywhere, uh, financially as well as through its delivery systems, to build leaders to serve the local church. Uh, that was the goal from 1972, and it's so exciting now, 51 years later, to say that we are still on that same miss mission uh, and still doing that same ministry. Our everywhere, though, has expanded since 1972 from central Alabama to all around America and even all around the world, where we have over 30,000 students in a free certificate program that we run in partnership with Third Mill Ministries, many of whom, many of you are familiar with them as well. Uh, so we are just an incredibly honored uh, to come here today to support the GRN and this conference, primarily because the GRN is not just for pastors, it's also for church members invested in the PCA and in particular, ordained officers or those seeking ordination in the PCA as well. So while we serve the church through its leadership in vocational ministry, we also want to serve the church in its leadership through lay ministry. So there's two programs. We have the full suite of programs from certificate programs all the way through doctoral programs, all of which are available both on site in Birmingham, Huntsville, Montgomery, uh, Demopolis, Tuscaloosa, uh, and Dothan, Alabama, as well as the work we do at Bibb County Correctional Facility um, and, uh, that we do there at the prison ministry. Um, but all those programs are also available online via distance, utilizing digital technologies, live video conference classes, and even now a growing number of micro-learning centers around America where we send professors to teach week weekly or weekend intensives so students can get live classes where they live hosted by local churches with real-world seminary professors. These are real professors who are doing this uh, with passion and commitment for reformed theology. But there's two programs in my last minute here that I want to draw your attention to. For those that are pastors, I want you to be aware of our Doctor of Ministry program. We do have a wonderful program. It is entirely available online, but we work in cohorts. So students meet weekly with one another 
digging into each other's lives with their time with one another and really truly build relationships with one another. We have several men here who are in those cohorts who would be happy to talk to you about it if you wanted to ask them. We have four tracks in that program, pastoral leadership, biblical counseling, uh, apologetics, as well as um, uh, our new program in church multiplication and vitality that is built around the Lampstand Conference, as many of you are aware, which is the new iteration of Embers to a Flame that works around church vitality. That's a wonderful program. The whole thing comes in at less than $8,000 for students. So if you're interested in that, stop by our booth and talk to us. But the second one uh, that we're very excited about is a program that we're launching uh, this fall, it, it can be started this summer, but this fall particularly, which is a learning certificate geared towards leadership in the PCA, a PCA leadership certificate. It has four classes, has a class on the Westminster Standards, uh, Confession and the Catechisms that serves as a survey of systematic theology, a class on Presbyterian polity, a class on introduction to covenant theology, and the fourth class is conflict resolution in the local church. We believe that these four classes will be an unbelievable resource for elder deacon training and for just lay people in the church who want to understand better what it means to be a reformed Presbyterian individual. Every class at BTS that is at the graduate level is $100 per credit hour. So this whole certificate is $800 for four classes. Churches can sponsor students or students can pay for themselves. We can host local micro learning centers where professors can come teach these classes locally in churches if we have five or more students. Or students can be online with other elders and leaders in the PCA across the country actually learning and growing together. So when they end up in Presbytery together, guess what? They've been learning together. When they end up at the General Assembly together, they've been in class together. These are ruling elders that have this opportunity. So we're incredibly excited about our new PCA leadership certificate. If you're interested in hearing more, just grab us at the booth. We can't wait to tell you. Thanks for your time. Well, Dr. Robertson, we are so uh, glad that you are here. You should have heard the moan this morning when we announced that you weren't going to be here. Uh, it's a joy to have you here with your lovely wife, Joanna. Uh, he hardly needs introduction, uh, but I do want to mention that he is, uh, in case you do not know, a founding teaching elder of the PCA. Uh, and so as we think about the founding of the PCA and, and the values that we want to embrace and see uh, going on to the next 50 years of the PCA, uh, Palmer will be able to speak to these. And so Palmer, if you'll please come forward. And what a wonderful assembly we have here. I, you know, to hear about the seminary coming out of Birmingham, do you understand what's behind that? Do you understand? You have to go back, you know, if you, if you hang around long enough, you can become an eyewitness to history. And I'm an eyewitness to the fact that one of the things that led the old PCUS down the tubes was the seminaries. And the seminaries were all denominational seminaries. And it wasn't accidental that when the PCA started, we said, we're going to acknowledge all the different courts of the church. 
And so a court of the church can be a session. And a session is a proper court of the church to establish a seminary for the training of men for the gospel ministry. And so we have this seminary in Birmingham and what a wonderful ministry it has had. I'm so excited, I think I'm gonna sign up on this new program that you've got, this PCA leadership certificate. That just sounds absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Let's pass the word around to that. Okay, we're back. And so, yeah, those were some great off-the-cuff remarks by Dr. O. Palmer Robertson. Uh, what'd you think when he when he said that? Well, I I certainly wasn't expecting it, and uh, although BTS has actually had a uh, history with Dr. Robertson, we've partnered with him with his work in Uganda before, and uh, Dr. James, our vice president, has has taught some classes with him, but that was years ago. So uh, so his excitement over <clears throat> over what BTS is doing not just in terms of the work that we're trying to do to get uh, this level of quality and this level of academic uh, discipleship into the hands of the local church, but also in the, uh, the structure of BTS as well. Uh, I was just kind of blown away to get that great, uh, um, his perspective on it. Yes, yes. And, and I love, I mean, he, you know, he, he's talking as a founder who was at the first General Assembly, who mm -hmm. spoke at the first General Assembly, who remembers all that history and so his perspective on the importance of seminaries having accountability was just a great it, it was really just a great fit within the whole grn conference mm -hmm. uh anyway but um yeah why don't you give us a little br brief history you did a little bit on that video about birmingham theological seminary just uh some maybe distinctives of it and and the history, 51 years old. So you're yeah. as, as old as the PCA. I mean, the PCA is celebrating its 50th this, this year or so. Yeah, we, we may have a T-shirt at GA that says, like, welcome to the 50 club or something like that. You know, we're, we're trying to figure out a good good way that we can emphasize that at General Assembly this year. But, uh, but yeah, 51 years old, founded in 1972. Uh, and, you know, if I can just reference, you know, I think one of the things that Dr. Robertson was making a point of, was uh, was in the importance of understanding um, the nature of the PCA itself as a grassroots organization, as a grassroots denomination. Obviously grateful for the wonderful seminaries that existed before its founding and their impact through, you know, Reformed Theological Seminary in Westminster and others, you know, at that time. But he's also referencing and recognizing the uh, the desire for local churches to step up and say, see a need and recognize how biblically and appropriately within the boundaries of what the responsibility of the church is to fill and meet that need. And that's really what happened in 1972 was Dr. Frank Barker and Dr. Bill Hay at the time uh, in their work in the community, you know, from their church into their community because of their distinctions and because of their theological commitments were, were working in environments where they were just with a lot of pastors um, some were pastors of different ethnicities, some were pastors in rural contexts who were not getting access to the level of quality of theological education that they thought, A, that, they, that those individuals needed, uh, and B, that those individuals, many of them wanted, but just couldn't get to. Um, many of them were second career calling, bivocational, 
married with kids or, you know, just all those different things that are barriers of entry to a traditional residential seminary model. So they said, you know, what we need is an open access seminary that holds the standards of the other seminaries, but, but creates avenues of success. You know, we're going to think outside the box for what this is going to look like uh, in getting this in, uh, to the, uh, the, the learners that really need it. It's that sort of recognition that no matter where you are in school or any of those kinds of places, that you're only ever really able to get what you're trying to deliver to a, a normally a very low percentage of the population that you're trying to get it to. So how do we grow that percentage and get it to a much wider, you know, just cast that net wider. So that's when they started Birmingham Theological Seminary. Um, and, uh, and it has been running with that same mission and vision now for 51 years. So it's really been amazing. And then, of course, shortly after launching it as a joint project between two churches, it came under the supervision of Briarwood Presbyterian Church for uh, the theological, ethical, and uh, fiscal accountability. Yes. Um, and then, and that developed that relationship uh, as being a church-based seminary as well. Okay. So I, I've been told I uh, I do a good job of interpreting the lingo that was used. So all that you just said, uh, the the way I the way I describe it is is flexibility. Yeah. Uh, is that fair to say? So yeah. you know because when people yeah, say well, what does that mean? Accessibility. So, right. There you go. Flexibility and accessibility. And I think in that little segment from the GRN conference, you really just highlighted all the different ways. I mean, you have uh, obviously you know, uh, online classes and you have cohort based classes and you have residential classes, but you also have learning sites mm -hmm. that are not out of Birmingham, but are wherever. And you have a number of those. And so, uh, I mean, I can attest to the flexibility and I, I've really enjoyed it. So I, I guess full disclosure, but it's, I mean, it, it's, I'm also a customer, right? So I'm, <laughs> But I'm also a client. That's yes, right. that's right. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I uh, so I'm doing my doctor of ministry program with BTS because, and and I have a, an awesome institution just right around the corner. RTS Charlotte is is right there, and and I was very tempted, and I love RTS, and mm -hmm. and I would have had um, top notch, the, the the best instructors in the world. I know that. Uh, why I chose BTS was I liked the flexibility. Of it, I liked the um, the cohort based model, so that I'm with the same. I mean, I'm two years into this, and I've been with the same group of eight people for two years, and it's just been great to get to know them in that way. And uh, and and the program, it's an, a doctor of ministry in apologetics, which nobody else actually offers. And so, uh, I think that's one of the cool things about BTS is you're you're nimble in that a need shows up, and you're able to just do it. You execute right. on it, like. Apologetics. You didn't even have a demon in apologetics three years ago, and you like somebody in. Uh, I know one of the guys that suggested it to you, and you're like, okay. And then you went, and you got professors to teach it. So it's figure out how to do it. Yeah, and and I think the same thing with this leadership certificate mm -hmm. for for anybody, but for ruling elders, it's like, well, hey, you already have all these classes you're offering. Let's package it in such a way that we can help the the church. Is that yeah. is that uh, somehow that came about? Yeah, that's that's 100% correct, George. And and if you look at our mission statement, uh, you see the terms that you just talked through. BTS exists to provide faithful uh, theological education uh, that is um, accessible for learners everywhere. So 
that we can build leaders to serve the local church. Uh, that's the that's the point of what we do. And uh, the end part of that statement is the key component, which is that we serve the church. So when we see a need, one of our responsibilities is to try to develop uh, a way that within the con- confines of being an academic institution, we can help serve the church. And I think one of the things that there's, I don't think this would be a controversial statement for anyone in the PCA, is that while we while we have an upper tier echelon of ordained teaching elders in particular, and, and certainly some ruling elders that know and understand what it means to be Presbyterian and Reformed, we also know that we don't want to turn pulpits into lecture, lecture uh, you know, into, into lecture podiums. They need to be uh, preaching uh, lecterns where we're preaching biblical theology. Of course, Reformed and Presbyterian theology will be woven through that, but we've also got to do training. We've got to get elders prepared, deacons, and there's just people in the church that just want to learn more about what it means to be Presbyterian and Reformed. And we said, well, look, we do that for people that are going through the process of getting Master of Divinity degrees towards ordination. What if we carved out a small piece of that and made that available to learners everywhere so that they could have a um, an, a, a, a short, uh, concentrated, challenging, but also achievable program that can be beneficial to the local church. So that's when we started the Presbyterian leadership certificate and we've taken four classes uh that we think are just you know really encapsulate the fundamentals of presbyterian theology uh presbyterian reformed theology and that is our class on the westminster confession of faith which we utilize as a survey of systematic theology uh we've taken the class on presbyterian church polity which works through what does it mean to be presbyterian the book of church order all those major issues We've taken our Old Testament and or our New Testament history and theology class, which is sort of our covert intro to covenant theology, because as a multi-denominational seminary, we've got students coming from a wide variety of backgrounds. And then we've taken our conflict resolution in the church class, which helps us seek to find biblical means of, uh, of faithfully resolving conflict with love and compassion, but while committed to the truth. And, I, and we said... What church wouldn't like elders, deacons, and other members with those four classes under their belt? I mean, we can do that. And unlike other seminary models, we can do it at a, at a, at a cost that's reasonable for the average person who's not trying to go off and get an actual full graduate degree. So we've put this thing together. These are courses we've already been teaching, and we have now developed a variety of ways to deliver it. So we can deliver it through... Uh, online programs where you're a student with other BTS student through video conference. We'll have, we have correspondence version of these classes. A church could say, we want to put five people through this and we're going to do it at our own pace together in our local community. Great. We'll get you all signed up for the correspondence. You can meet weekly, listen to the lectures, bring, come together for discussion and dialogue. We may even have places like you referred to earlier where there's micro learning centers that have said, Hey, once every three months, can you send us a professor and we guarantee that we'll have eight or 10 people in the room and do a Thursday, Friday, do it like a little learning conference. There are, there is no end to the ways that we can help deliver this to the local church. And so that's what we did. We tried to be nimble and help meet a need in the, in the, in the PCA. Yes. Okay. So as I, 
as I hear that, and again, even the flexibility within the program, uh, what I think the the strength of this is, I, I would never want this to replace like elder training within the local church because I think it's important for pastors and sessions to train people to join them as churchmen. But this is is additional. It's mm-hmm. um, and it's it's very kind of comprehensive when you see that. Sheet and I, I assume, Mike, you can see what I have on the screen, yeah, right? Yeah, I've okay, got you. absolutely. Right, and so if people watch it on YouTube, they will see this. Otherwise, um, you're you're just listening. But again, four classes get this church leadership learning certificate, and the classes are the Westminster Confession of Faith, and uh, I'll just read what it says: Westminster Confession of Faith class is an overview of systematic theology through the lens of the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Westminster Standards. And so I assume then that instructor will bring in the larger and shorter catechism mm-hmm. as part of the, those things. Right. And then the next one's Presbyterian church polity. And I bet you this one is just really going to pique people's ears because as much as people joke about the boringness of the BCO or whatever, everybody I know wishes they were better at. Just understood it better. Yeah. Church polity. And so this class is a study of the book of church order, including a study of the biblical offices of the church, grassroots Presbyterianism, and Robert's rules for meetings. I mean, we all need that. And how many of us have been frustrated in meetings when uh, both maybe in ourselves and not knowing how to proceed or what the right course of action is according to our polity, but also when others uh, when others don't know that. Let me let me jump in just real quick with that, yes. one, George, just because I, I think you, 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 you hit the nail on the head. <clears throat> I, I try to. Well, I try to hit the nail right where it needs to get hit. As, as long as as long as my head's not the nail, you're you're you can keep doing it all day long. Um, the uh, I, basically our mindset on this is that people are probably going to come for those these first two that we just talked about, but we hope they stay for the other two because they're also beneficial to 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 the to the to the healthy life of the local church, right? And. Yo, less people probably want to take conflict resolution, although many of us bemoan conflict resolution, than want to take a Westminster Confession class because we love diving into the theology stuff, right? But with the church polity class, the uh, the frustration is, look, Robert's rules are Robert's rules. I mean, we're, we're going to go over those in that class, but the real the real issue is like, what do you know? What have we actually laid down? as the right and proper manner and order of dealing with individual, personal, sessional, and theological you know, issues and problems that are going to arise because we're sinful creatures. And so, um, you know, there's been probably time after time that either people sitting in the pews in a congregation hear something about the order of operations that we're going through and go, that makes no sense, that sounds ridiculous, but the people that wrote this thing, these things, I mean, like historically and, and our modern version, like it's a deeply biblical text. And, and so that's really what we're trying to drive to is understand why we're doing this from a biblical perspective and therefore be able to know biblically how we're approaching these, uh, uh, internal and external relationships that we have with one another. But the, and the thing we're really excited about is, is the professor that we've got lined up to teach it live this fall, uh, is, I can make this announcement because he's agreed to teach it, is, 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 uh, Reverend Fred Greco, who both is a former ruling elder who became a teaching elder and is the, um, current chair of the Standing Judicial Commission, uh, and has a law degree. 
So he has a really unique background for understanding how we biblically understand, interpret, and utilize the, the BCO as Presbyterian. And, um, and he's going to be designing a universal syllabus for that class for us as he teaches it so that we'll have other faculty that will be teaching it from that standard that we're really excited because we'll end up having six, seven, eight professors probably teaching this, but we'll have a universal standard that we're working directly with the denomination to make sure that there's clarity on its standards and what it's teaching. So I'm just super excited about that class in particular. And um, so I just wanted to jump in and say a comment on that one. Yes. Well, okay. I didn't know if you were going to do the big reveal. So oh, the big uh, reveal. It's out. The cat's out of the bag. Yes. Fred Maybe. Greco. That That's awesome. And and uh, and I would just say for all these classes, uh, you've told me some of the lineups of the professors, and uh, I know a lot of these guys. They're PCA pastors that are living this, doing it, teaching it, and it's uh, it's a great lineup. I, I kind of like, well, like, oh, I want to I want to take that class. I mean, I don't need to take a church polity class, but I'd like to sit in on, you know, man, baby, um, that's, what, that's what God made audits for. That's exactly that was created on the eighth day. Auditing. There you class. go. All right. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I, I do think, um, that's a good point you brought up. So people might want to come in for those two classes and not stay for the next two. I think anybody that wants to, uh, take these classes would want to get a certificate out of it. But I, I think the, well, the conflict- let, me say, let me just say, sorry for interrupting. I'm hoping that people that just, just look at those two and like them will be so excited that they will stay for the other two classes. Yeah. And that's what I'm really hoping. Uh, is that they'll, they'll keep moving forward because, man, I learned, cause listen, you can't get through Westminster Confession of Faith without getting excited about covenant theology, you know? That's so right. I, I hope they do get excited about covenant theology. And it's, I, I think covenant theology is deeply misunderstood by most of our common lay people, you know, in the church. And so give them a chance to go deep into what that means. And then, of course, you know, after you take polity, you know, having a biblical theology of conflict resolution, you know, to recognize how can we how can we resolve the majority of our conflicts internally and personally through a biblical paradigm before we get up to an, uh, a level of having to move to to the church discipline you know levels that we get to when we get into the polity side of it. I, I hope that those will just be deeply engaging and encouraging and exciting for not just people, not just ordained elders and ordained deacons or those that feel potentially called and are in training, but even just the average, you know, lay person in the pew that is, is, is just, is deeply committed to God's word and to membership in the PCA. Yes. And even, uh, even as I even read the explanation on the conflict resolution class using biblical and systematic theology, this class examines the biblical understanding of conflict within the body of Christ using peacemakers and other tools it explores the necessary steps for biblical reconciliation in the church. And what it really does is it, it actually, it actually is like a capstone of the other classes mm-hmm. because yeah. the systematic theology is obviously the Westminster standards, the biblical theology you're getting in the covenant theology class. And then our polity tells you how to do this in the context of, of, uh, of the PCA. But here's some relational tools. Uh, to be able to do that. I would never have thought of it like that, but that is, yeah, that is engineer, so bro. That's the engineer mind, baby. I'm a that's right. So new, new principle. Here's the nimbleness new principle. You can only take the conflict of resolution class last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I think any, any elder that spent any time on a session would see the importance of, of that class, by the way, because 
some of the most discouraging, seemingly hopeless situations we deal with is is conflict in the church. Yeah. And, um, you know, we have a Savior that offers us hope, and he is a reconciler, and he's reconciling Amen. the world to himself, but he, he wants to see reconciliation in his church, and, and it's, right. it's yet... Uh, so that, I think I think that's great. Um, also, you have a great BTS has a great counseling department. I don't know who's teaching that, but I I actually took a class I didn't need to take while I was doing my D men just because I wanted an extra class and I wanted to learn from Doctor Irick. I mean, he's taught he's taught at multiple seminaries. He's written all these books. He is a so it was a biblical counseling class mm-hmm. that I took with you guys, and it, I was so enriched to learn directly from him. But to uh, to go through that material again because. I mean, I, I think you know me enough. I, I love the theology. I love the polity. But, um, man, that conflict stuff and that counseling is so um, – it has the uh, it has the opportunity to be so discouraging, and yet that's where you see God work the most. So yeah. um, I, think, I think that's the best way to say it. So this – BTS has had multiple certificate programs. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Like this is just a new addition to new the already menu – I'm going to try to pull that up. Yeah, it's under um, the academic page. If you click on, just click on that top button that says academics uh, and scroll down. It's right below the academic mission statement with certificate programs. Yep. Just scroll down and you'll see them. That's it. So you have certificate of leadership, certificate of teaching, certificate of apologetics, certificate of missions and evangelism, and one for worship ministry, and then well, the leadership, Presbyterian leadership, I guess, would be that one. Mm-hmm. And so here's the menu. And those are, and they're modifiable. I mean, that's one of the great things is that a certificate really is designed uh, for individuals. And, and you can certainly see there's a lot of similarity between the, the, the standard certificate of leadership. We already had, you know, really we swap, we, we just uh, pulled out leadership development and put in the polity class and then uh, uh, made the conflict resolution one. Uh, you know, sort of permanent instead of intro to biblical counseling. But then we've got a certificate of teaching. We've got a certificate of apologetics. We've got a certificate of missions and evangelism. Um, you know, and these and the great thing about these classes, George, you know, I think one of the important things to to recognize for uh, potential incoming uh, lay learners, you know, people who are going, you know, I'm, I'm probably not interested in changing jobs right now, but I am a learner and I just want to be on a nice, steady learning track for myself. I mean, for most people like that, you're looking at $200 a semester. You get a great 12 to 14 week class. Yes, it's going to be challenging. Yes, you have to read a lot. Yes, you have to show up for class. Yes, you have to write papers. You got to do that stuff. But the reward is immeasurable beyond, you know, what you're, what you've done, uh, the, the work and the effort you've put into it. And so all of these classes, they're not unique to these certificate programs. These are all classes that are in our full master's level programs, whether it's master's of biblical studies, the MA tracks, or our divinity program. So if you jump into a, a Westminster Confession of Faith class, you know, you won't be in there by yourself. You'll be in there with counseling students and apologetics or public theology students or divinity students or, you know, any different, um, uh, you know, a cross section of the BTS student body. And I think that's another advantage. A lot of institutions, when they want to provide offerings to the local community, that ends up being somewhat segregated away from the work that the actual graduate students are doing. 
And so there's no cross-pollination between those two. So graduate classes tend to remain full of people pursuing professional level degrees. But what are we pursuing professional level degrees for in seminary? It's to serve the church. So what better way to do it than learning where we can cross-pollinate with the lay individuals in the church? They will bring experience, perspective, and all kinds of things that the academic community generally doesn't have into the classroom with those folks that are pursuing the academic degrees. So I think it's a fantastic program and the way, um, I think we have nine uh, certificate graduates. Uh, we actually have our, our, our graduation is on Friday um, and we've got around 20 graduates this year. And I think uh, eight, eight or seven or eight of them are certificate graduates and they're excited, they're pumped. About probably 50% are rolling on to another certificate. They're like, I want to do this certificate next or whatever. And so it's really exciting to see how God's using it. Yes, and I don't think you said it in all that, but uh, so if somebody wanted to go on, these classes would, would uh, I would guess they would work toward their master's. Yeah, so the way we've designed it is that 80% of the courses in all the certs, so if you take that full degree checklist that we just had on there, the Presbyterian one, everything else, 80% of those courses are actually in our Masters of Biblical Studies program, which is basically our core, it's the core BTS program. It's a 40 hour, 20 class program. It's designed for the lay leader in the local church or to be the springboard into the MA or MDiv program. So it's a non-terminal degree that people can move up to higher levels but really what we're focused on here is that you could do four or five certificates. Uh, you know, by the time you've done three certificates, I mean, listen, you do two certificates and you're 50% of the way through the Masters of Biblical Studies program, you know? So that, that's one thing we definitely are starting to see more of as we've launched these learning certificates over the last three years is people get started there, get a taste for what this looks like, and then they get... Um, you know, there's a couple of classes we stick in there that aren't listed. Like, we're going to make you take intro to research and writing. So you, you know, we're going to help you learn how to write for grad school, uh, learn how to write for theology, learn how to not put yourself in a corner through plagiarism. You know, we're going to teach you those things. Uh, and certainly hermeneutics is another major one that's not in those certificates that we would have you take pretty early if you did rep you know, multiple certificates. But all of that can be combined to take that next step to that attainable Masters of Biblical Studies. And the beautiful thing is because we're a two-hour system, everything at the graduate level is two-hour, George, it is a simple math problem. You know, if you want to get, if you're a lay leader in the church and you're like, I'd like to do the Masters of Biblical Studies, well, if you do four classes a year, which is a very doable pace for somebody with a, even with a full-time job or a family or whatever, in five years, you have a Masters, you have a master's degree. And the whole thing would come in at less than at four thousand dollars or less. So I mean, I mean that's a proposition. If you're a learner in the local church, there's no reason not to sign up. You got to give me. You got to start coming up with excuses not to be in that program. In my opinion. Well, as I interview ruling elders on this this podcast, I'm coming I'm coming across more ruling elders that have master's degrees in biblical studies or mm -hmm. some theological because they want to. Because we're lifelong learners, like you That's said. Right. And, and I do think there is something, you know, a lot of people love church Sunday school classes. And when they get into 
seminary classes, it's just so invigorating because not only are you learning from, uh, you know, really qualified instructors, you're learning mm -hmm. with other people that, that share your heart for the Lord and to learn, but then you're having to produce work, which, you know, I mean, the best way to learn is to, is, is to write on things and to study to, to have to actually answer to certain things. And, and so, uh, yeah, man, I think well, let this, me, let, me, let me take that. Let me take that last statement. If you don't mind, just yeah. one quick step further, mm -hmm. um, BTS institutionally, um, you know, as I've said, you know, you've heard me say this over and over again. Uh, we are a ministry oriented seminary. Uh, you know, our, our primary work is to, is to train people that will serve in the local church in ministry, whether it's lay or vocational ministry, right? That doesn't mean we don't have students that go on in the academy. And we're, and it doesn't mean that we're not going to hold the standards of the academy, but our number one goal is in the church. And so there is no class at BTS that you will take, that somebody will take, especially at the graduate level, certainly in the DMIN program, because it's an applied degree anyway. But in the in the graduate program, um, I mean, this is something we talk about as the executive team, we talk about it in faculty meetings, we talk about it all the time. There is no class you will take that does not have a ministry application assessment component, because we roll on three different course sets of objectives that really just they're just derived from Harry Reader talking about leadership. Uh, you know, so it's just, uh, you know, content, character and competency. Like all of our classes will have objectives that pertain to those three areas of leadership. So I tell people all the time when they're taking a class, the best way you can make this class exciting for you, other than just the intrinsic excitement of studying God's word, is to uh, use it while you're learning it. So like, let's say you're doing that Westminster Confession of Faith class. Go to your local pastor and say, hey, sign me up to teach a Sunday school on the Westminster Confession of Faith. And what you're learning two weeks ago, that's what you're teaching the next Sunday during Sunday school. What you're learning here, teach here in the covenant theology. It was in that, it was in revamping our covenant theology class that I started, I was like, man, I just need to put this in a Sunday school format which I did. Now I'm teaching it for the third time to a Sunday school community at Briarwood. And they're going, this is great. Like we get pieces of this from the pulpit, but now we're getting this like 10 week comprehensive version. And three people from that class are now rolling back and signing up for the covenant theology class at the seminary. So everything we do is going to be built for the person taking it to have ministerial application in their lives, teaching small group leadership, Bible study leadership, or mentorship. And I've even found that in the in the doctoral program because with all the reading we have to do and papers we have to produce, that work I've done over the last two years has become Wednesday night classes that I've it's, taught yeah. and, and, and and all kinds of other it showed up in all kinds of other ways. It's affecting my preaching every week. I'm it's amazing how the Lord let's have a church book group on this book, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean yeah, I mean, you do all this work to write a a a fifteen page paper, and suddenly that becomes the format of a twelve week class. You yeah, know? and yeah. I've I've done that more than once, and so definitely. Well, you're going to be at General Assembly. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and so I what I I want people to visit the booth. We'd love it if they're interested in this. And I know, like, I couldn't believe it. One of my ruling elders just told me this week. 
He says, yeah, I signed up for that certificate program. And I'm like, really? You didn't even tell me? You just, bam. You say, Yeah, he heard you He heard you at uh, Gospel Reformation Network, and he was interested in it. And so he is taking Westminster, uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith this summer. And uh, he'll be taking, hopefully, the polity one in, in the fall. Yeah. And so... I, you know, so you'll be at General Assembly. They can mm-hmm. see you at the booth. You'll have some some freebies. What yeah. are you going to have at the booth? Well, like uh, what, we're, like we're, breath mints or we're still uh, we're still solidifying everything. But you know, last year we had our little uh, BTS bear uh, that people could yes, you know, because we want we want GA to be a family affair, you know, and uh, and we want to raise young BTSers. We don't have a football team like Auburn yet, but you know, we're working on it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, we're we're going to try to start a seminary football league, but no. In all seriousness, we'd love for people to stop by the booth. We'll definitely have some some cool little giveaways for kids and some T-shirts for adults and you know all that kind of stuff. And but really, you know, the main thing is uh, we'll have phone chargers. So you know, come sit at the you know you can plug in your phone. You don't have to go you know sit on the floor outside. You know, if you don't want to talk, we won't bother you. No, we'll, we'll actually have, we'll have a big end cap booth. And we'll have a lot of information there about this uh, Presbyterian leadership certificate, uh, especially you know if you're a teaching elder and you listen to this, we'll have a lot of information about the four tracks in our doctoral program. Uh, you know we launch every fall with new cohorts in those programs, and then um, uh, and then of course just the other stuff that we do uh, and that we offer through the seminary. We'll, we'll have plenty of information on all those things. So yeah, okay. come get a T-shirt or 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 a fun family gift and. Uh, and sit and talk about, you know, being a learner in your local church. Right. All right. So, so I have, I'm, I'm going to give it to you here. It's going to be on the air. And so everybody's going to hear it. Oh, goodness. I'm going to give you your marketing, um, your marketing for this GA. Let's, you let's ready? The first PCA seminary. That, that, I mean, I mean, 50th anniversary. Yeah. I mean, I mean, because be, even our denominational seminary had to come. They came in through well, came in in joining and receiving. Yeah, that's right. And receiving. And now, I mean, it would be interesting to see what our, our, our good friends over at RTS's argument would be, uh, you know, because they were started out of First Pres Jackson. Um, and, what year? Uh, uh, well, they were started, I think it was 1967 oh. uh, when they launched. Um, and like us, they are a um, multi-denominational seminary that were formed multi-denominational seminary. Um, but, uh, but, um, but, but we would be the first one in terms of that actually is under a PCA church in that sense. So we could be the first one in that sense. Although I guarantee you that you just opened up a a bag of PCA church historians that are going to go down the little known and little explored pathway of what constitutes an actual PCA seminary. So. Oh, I know. I, I right. I right. Well, but that but that goes to the grassroots nature of this, and what what Dr. Robertson said at the beginning of recognizing church courts' ability to to start institutions yeah. for training within their bounds, and right. and 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 I think that's probably part of the history. I think I've heard him speak on this of why you know, like when they when they came up with the uniform curriculum for the mm-hmm. PCA and that uh, that education committee or commission, whatever it was in those early years, they stopped short of coming up with validated or or, or approved seminaries for yeah. the denomination because they wanted it to be at the local level. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, I've no, used- I think, I think as a matter of fact, that's actually, clo- it's not a direct quote, but I think it's close to a quote from the, the BCO 
which outlines the ordination requirements. And then the 1976, I think, Commission on Ministry, on, on Ordination and Ministry Training or whatever it was called, uh, which then lays out in more detail um, the, uh, you know, the, the, the options for moving through ordination. And they, they do list a number of seminaries, and we were actually also listed as one of those in a secondary document recognizing the value of BTS even as early as 1976-78 time frame. And, um, but the argument in that document was, you know, this is, this, is, this is ultimately a local church and local presbytery responsibility. If the local presbytery chooses to say, we will build a learning plan for a, a man to move through for ordination, here's everything you need to know. You can do that. And that presbytery can well within their boundaries choose to ordain that individual if they meet the requirements of the uniform curriculum, you know? That's right. So, yeah, no, that's, I think you're exactly right. They didn't want to tie it. They didn't want the standard of what it means to be a pastor to be so intimately tied to an institution that the institution began to control the theological standards of what it meant to be a pastor. Wow, that, that's good and well said. Well, Ike, I, I always enjoy conversation with you. You're interesting and fun to speak with. I do look forward to seeing you at GA. Please hold one of those bears for me because, uh, you know, my family doesn't come to GA with me and I have to come back with gifts. And so there's, there's a freebie for me. Yeah. Listen, we will get you. We will, there's, there's no chance you will not walk out of GA without a bear in your hands. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Very we'll good. We'll probably take that a number of ways, but we'll leave it at that. I hear you. Uh, yeah, so uh, to any of my friends at other seminaries, and when I guess I did just open a can of worms, but Fred Greco does call me a troublemaker. Um, so I guess that's what he means. Um, and for my friends at other seminaries, notice I did not necessarily agree with his argument. <laughs> it's You could be I the first. We're older than the PCA. You can. Yes. What, you could have some great shirts, man, with some. Uh, you could cause. You actually could cause a. We could, uh, we could cause some ruckus. Baby. Yes, and that's what you want. It, disruptive, you know. right? Disruptive. Decently in an order, that's ruckus. Right. That's right. Okay, uh, I, I don't know, Ike. Is there anything else you want to you want to share or say? I think we I think we no, covered no, it. Just, um, I mean, like you can, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously you can get in touch with us through the website, but of course, I mean. Listen, a friend of this podcast, you can always just email me directly at ike at bts.education um, if you want. You'll know, spell out the word education uh, because we don't have a relationship with the U.S. government, when not, which neither do we want one. Um, and um, so, you know, feel free to reach out if you've got more questions. And um, our booth was hopping last year, and I'd love it if we had, we got some great, a lot of great BTS folks that will be representing the booth. And anybody, whether it's me, George, Reed, uh, you know, Noah, Dion, Jay, all the people we'll have there are going to be able to answer questions for you. So stop by and say, hey. So uh, too bad we don't have a promo code for uh, the Presbyterian Church form, uh, <laughs> Presbyterian Reform Church, but for the for well, the website. I, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I, here, here's, you, here's your big reveal with people at the end of the podcast. What is it? So I, I said this on, on a podcast I was on last week, and I will probably regret doing this. Um uh, wow. Let me first say that we, as you know, so first, it's a Presbyterian Reformed Churchman first. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you you will notice that on the uh, on the on the on the PDF little pamphlet that we have to hand out, the little postcard, 
uh, it says church partnerships are available with options for moving forward. We certainly would love churches to come on and support BTS. Um, but if any church, boy, this is probably a big mistake saying this on this podcast. If a church brings eight students to do the Westminster Standards class this summer. BTS will sponsor the first class for them to get them started. Wow, look at you. Come on board. Look. If you but if you bring a full cohort, we will get the we'll get the class set up. We'll get the professor moving forward for you. And if we can't do it for more than one, our endowed fund is only so big. Uh but then we'd ask, of course, that you would consider coming alongside us as a church partner for the benefits that you receive for the education. But but if any church wants to bring, if you bring eight people together and they're all going to come and take it for 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 an actual class, uh, we'll we'll sponsor your first round through. Because a lot of people go, look, I don't know anything about BTS. I don't know what your quality is. I don't know what your standards are. You know what? We'll prove it. We'll prove that we are we maintain the quality and the standards theologically, academically, and ministerially of any institution out there. So we'll put our money where our mouth is and come on and come on and sign up and we'll get you taken care of. Wow. I mean, did you in that pause section there, did you go have a board meeting and get all that worked out? <laughs> Look at you on the fly. No, no, I did that on a podcast last week, but it was not a Presbyterian specific podcast. So I, I was like, man, eh, I probably won't get, you know, let's do it. Let's go for it. Like, let's get, you know, now I'm doing it on a podcast that's going to be heard by at least 10 people in the PCA. So, you know. Uh, that's a, that's a joke. Wow. Listen to that. That's, <laughs> that's like a man. Stay for, stay for the shade at the and end. You're right? supposed to be my friend. Okay. Well, everyone, uh, but you got to say again. you came from, uh, you got to say you came from George's podcast. Right. So, okay. Well, Ike, thanks again. Uh, I, I will see you at GA in just a few weeks. It's going to be great. 50th anniversary. We are looking forward to it. Grateful to be here, brother. Thank you. You're welcome. And stay tuned for more uh, pre-GA podcasts for everybody who's listening. As we, I think we're going to look at uh, upcoming overtures at a, at a episode soon. Thanks again, Ike. This is my fun house. Dude.